I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Lee, have you heard about that new show on the History Channel? Oh, you mean the one where they uh, they dig a hole into like this island and find nothing? Oh, you know what? Not that one. Actually, the one where they go to the most secretive paranormal hotspot in the country and then put it all up on cable television for the whole world. Oh, are we talking about the Skinwalker Ranch? You betcha, Lee. Take it away. I'm so glad to have you here. My name's Lee, coming to you from the Haunted Barn Studios in the Bell Witch's backyard. Dan is with me as always. Dan, how you doing today? Really good, Lee. I'm excited to do a topic that has some news around it. I love, I love it. We're so informative nowadays, Lee. We used to be all fart jokes. Now we're fart jokes and information. I love it. We still get to keep the fart jokes. I'm so happy about that. Dan, where are you at today? I am recording just down from the crossroads where Robert Johnson made his infamous deal with the devil for blues guitar mastery. What a deal. What a deal indeed. So today we are talking about the Skinwalker Ranch. And to do our research, we actually... Uh, we watched a video, um, a movie on uh, on the on the on the Amazon Prime, if you will, um, and it was a it was a good movie. It was very good. Dan, tell us a little more about it. How, what do you what did you think of it? Uh, yeah, well, we watched a film, a documentary entitled "Hunt for the Skinwalker." It was released in 2018. And it's uh, based on the book of the same title by George Knapp and one of the NIDS researchers who worked at Skinwalker Ranch, Dr. Colm Kelleher. Okay. I've heard both of those names before. Maybe it's because I've, I've, you know, done a little bit of research into the uh, Skinwalker Ranch. Um, Or maybe it's because I've listened to about 400 podcasts about the Skinwalker Ranch, so... You're welcome. We are just pigeonholing ourselves into that thing right now. <laughs> yeah, well, and the thing is, there's a lot of new stuff out about it, so it's a pretty good time to revisit it, I think. I agree. It is a great time to revisit it. So let's get started. I'm going to paint the picture. Um, so this this documentary opens up with a great scene, um, and I like literally... like. It messed with my head. So it opens up on a landscape scene of a desert scenery, as you would see, you know, at Skinwalker Ranch with some time-lapse video of uh, what I'm assuming is the night sky above it. But then it got, gets kind of weird. Uh, it starts to transition into, like, video of, like, like the moon. And then it just transitions in. You know those awkward 90s photos where, like, you were superimposed over your own body um, like in, in, and there's like usually cats and like space in the background. <laughs> like That's the ones they re- did, like the bad ones they did at elementary school picture day. <laughs> exactly. Or you went there's to like, like the Sears portrait studio for. <laughs> exactly. So, so you're like sitting there and then there's like a picture of you like looking off to like the right, like you're looking at something in the sky 
And mm. then there's the actual picture of you looking at the camera, like superimposed over top of that picture, un- like in a smaller one. That is exactly what you see in this. So, um, Dan, that one really messed with me to a point where I texted you immediately. Like, <laughs> yeah, what was, is going on? What did we Lee sign up was, to watch? Lee was tripping out. He was straight tripping balls. Um, first scene in the movie. And not only that, it gets really deep. Like the voiceover is like super serious. He's like, what is our relationship to the creative force that forged the particles of our stars and intertwined them with the molecules of our bodies? Like, whoa, dude. Talking about the force, we haven't we haven't even started the Skinwalker stuff. He's already talking about the force that binds oh, the universe man. together. Yeah, like, oh, I'll tell you, man, like, I know exactly what the force is for it. So you can move rocks and convince stormtroopers that these are not the droids that they're looking for. Exactly, <laughs> and what super cool <laughs> fights with other aliens. Uh, yeah. That's 100% what the Force is for. That's our relationship to the Force. Um, but, I mean, this guy's getting super deep talking about the architecture of the universe and trying to weaponize our curiosity. Okay. Um, and this is uh, this is the filmmaker, uh, Jeremy Corbell, I think, doing the voiceover. So he is uh, trying to weaponize your curiosity, Lee. Lee, has your curiosity been fully weaponized? Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but I am a level three black belt in weaponized curiosity. Oh, no way for that's, real. That's you where know all the conspiracy theories come from. Oh, you've been at this a long time, son. It makes a lot of sense <laughs> that you'd be level three already. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, this is like the opening shot. Very deep, like s- stars spinning around. Um, what is the nature of reality in the universe sort of questions. Um, what we really are going to find out about is, um, maybe some cows that got cut up really funny. So, uh, there's a graphic, there's a graphic content warning. Like this movie contains graphic content because there is video of, uh, these mutilated cows in there. And it goes from that contact, uh, content warning straight into this clip that has like cattle mutilation videos spliced into it. (laughs) It goes, this is, this is graphic. And then here's us dissecting a cow. Exactly. Exactly. Now we're not here to make fun of the movie the entire way, but there is just some weird choices made in this documentary that is hard to ignore. Um, when it comes to the humor in the the choices that were made, so I don't want to disparage the the filmmaker. It, it is a good film. It is relatively informative for the information that they had at the time, and he did his research. Some of the choices in visuals confuse me and make me a little bit, and some yeah. of the leaps of uh, leaps of uh, thought processes is another thing that kind of gets me. Well, so here's the thing is he's not the one who's made all these leaps. Uh, George Knapp, Bob Bigelow, these NIDS researchers, a lot of these guys have already made these leaps in their heads. So um, it's just it it hits you so hard with that space stuff. What is reality? Here's us cutting up cows. Um, It's just it's a blast off. But then this documentary is like two hours long and seems to go over some of the same stuff over and over. So yeah. it it punches you in the face and then it just kind of lays back a little bit. The it So that's just uh, a small critique of uh, the film. So yeah. um, the next scene is like a little interview that they've done with George Knapp. And he uh-huh. asks him a he asks him a question. I can't remember what it was. Um, something about uh, what do you expect to find there? Blah, blah, blah. Something. I don't know. And George just like turns, looks at the camera, and he's got quite a smolder of a stare. He's pretty oh, good. Oh, yeah. And then, George and then he just walks like... off. <laughs> 
I remember that just done. <laughs> He's just like, hmm, uh-uh. not entertaining up. this one. <laughs> so good. Um, so um, for folks who don't know George Knapp, if you're into any kind of Fortiana, I'm sure you do already because he is one of the DJs from Coast Coast AM. So, mm-hmm. which is like the granddaddy of uh, what, what we're, we're doing, doing here right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, and the cool thing about Coast to Coast, if you Coast to Coast was an open talk forum kind of thing, and he would have people call in, um, and a lot of times it was just open to the public to call in. Um, oh yeah, it's a great show, great show. And George Knapp, you know, when it comes to the Fortiana stuff, he knows his his things. Um, just once again, a few leaps that were made, in my opinion, of the, of the ranch. So, yeah, well, I, I really personally love the old Art Bell ones of those coast to coast shows. Anytime they replay an Art Bell one, I find myself listening to the whole thing. I just love that stuff. Um, I, I like that one too. Yeah. But continuing on with Hunt for the Skinwalker, because we are on the hunt, Lee. Um, the next scene kind of has a montage of, um, all of the soft disclosure stories that have been coming out in the last, uh, five, ten years or so, um, all the way up to the recent Tic Tac videos. So. You know what? I liked that. That, that kind of hooked me and I was like, hey, I'm excited to see what they, what they come out with. And I really, in that particular portion, um, I expected some new information, mm-hmm. and I feel like I was let down a little bit later in the later in the story. Yeah. Well, and especially with all the revelations about Bob Bigelow and the work that his company did for uh, a tip or a swap or whatever uh, program the Pentagon was running to investigate these. You mean areas. asswipe? <laughs> asswipe. Oh my gosh. That's what it is. <laughs> wow. It's so close. Like. Wow. Um, project asswipe. Yes. Um, very, very timely reference in our TP shortage, uh, life we're living, uh, project Ooh. asswipe the Pentagon. Um, yeah. So, in light of a lot of the news that we have now, this documentary came out in 2018 was when it was released. So yeah, um, there's been a little bit more that's come out. That's actually super relevant to the story. Um, so we'll get into that as we continue. Um, the idea is that the government has kept the research that was conducted at Skinwalker Ranch extremely secretive, but also semi-public. There's been a lot of people who have seen these phenomenon all throughout northeastern Utah, where the ranch is located, the Uinta Basin. Um, so people know about it, but keeping it secret and scary uh, plays into the government's I don't know, program to study this thing somehow. Um, what what did you think about that, Lee? The way that I kind of interpreted that is that um, maybe they're using it as a way to gauge the public's reaction to these strange phenomenon for like a larger scale. And that's what I, I felt like they were using this, um, this particular hotspot as a, as a testing ground so that they can see how much the public can handle of the weird stuff being explained to them. Okay. Um, so they're releasing little bits of information from the Tic Tac video and all this stuff, and you're getting the soft disclosure. Um, you're getting little bits of information, and they're using that to kind of gauge it. But they also keep it kind of secret because they don't want to tell you everything that happened there. That was one thing that I did get out of the video um, that there was some stories that I hadn't heard anywhere else that I heard from this, um, this one. Um, and I, I really enjoyed those stories. So my best guess is the way that they're thinking of it is that it's a, it's a way to give soft disclosure and to test, um, to basically test the public's reaction to, um, opening up more. 
Right. Well, whatever the government is planning with their research out there, um, the idea of the entity that exists there, whatever is happening there, this phenomenon at Skinwalker Ranch, it's either the world is thin and there's some kind of interdimensional portal that exists there, um, or there's some kind of maybe poltergeist alien influence activity that's going on and it's um, precognitive so it knows what the researchers are doing and if you try and seek it out it will turn the tables and mess with you I agree that's that's what I was really taking out of it and that's where it gets strange because I'm on board with the uh, the world like the thin the veil being thin between different worlds. Right. Um, that's like you know, your your overarching inter- theory of paranormal, interdimensional Bigfoot, everything. Exactly. That is that fits right into my overarching theory. But then when you get into it being seemingly precognitive, um, so is there is there like a being within that overarching um, theory that is just taken an interest in this site and said, Oh, we're going to go screw with some people like, or, yeah. or what was it? You know what I mean? Like how does that fit in there and make any sense? And, and some of that confused me. So maybe it's just like, this is the doorway in and out. And everyone just thinks it's funny to poke the people who are next to it. Yeah, that kind of, that was what I was Maybe it's either everyone or it's like a single group that's just like experimenting on us as much as right. we're experimenting on them. Right. Can you imagine? There's like <laughs> a group of greys. They're like, hey, man, leap glop, I'm going to uh, shift dimensions over to Earth. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, make sure you uh, fuck up a couple cows on the way. They love that when you do that. <laughs> it really screws with their heads. Yeah, man, just mess with them. Um it's, instead of like teeping your house or egging your car or something like that, they're just cutting up cows and leaving no blood. Exactly, exactly. Now yeah. there was one scene, and and every time we talk about the mutilize mutilization, I, I I think of one picture that I got from there, and it sticks with me consistently. There was a picture of like a dog that had been mutilated, where the skull was just missing. The skin around the skull was still there. But the skull was gone and oh. it was the most disturbing picture of the whole thing. And I'm, I, I guess you didn't see it, but it, that one messed with me. Uh-huh. Like that one, I was just like, Oh shit. <laughs> no, there's, there's one of the calf, uh, splayed out that gets me, but that's, um, let's go into back to the documentary. The next scene is like George Knapp and Jeremy Corbel going through George's collection of videos from the ranch. And there's just like boxes and boxes of VHS tapes. Yeah. There's a ton of stuff and papers and they're just going through it all. Um, and there's one scene where you see, uh, Corbel, the filmmaker going through one of these boxes and just a cat walks by his leg. And it's, it's only (laughs) in the video in the very, lower left-hand corner for a split second and i was like oh was that it was that the skinwalker no it was a cat (laughs) (laughs) but it just freaked me out we'll be right back after this quick break hey you guys (gasps) a very brady podcast Join host Tack Van Sickle and his guest each week as they hilariously dissect the iconic TV show, The Brady Bunch, one episode at a time. He was so creepy, though. Like I was like, I he's like, I guarantee you, if they could have really done the show the way they want to do it, like he was going to have a cup to the door listening in that night. <laughs> a look back at a simpler time where everything was groovy. So her kids almost wrecked their marriage. Her employee shames her and she like thanks both of them. It's awesome. So grab your potato sack and head out to the backyard for some fun. She's in her own room. Like, what did we like, tell what? her about sleeping? <laughs> like they went and got the entire family for dad to pick her up and put her in her bed two feet away from the desk. And obviously before they did that, they also said, family, 
Go get your bathrobes. Everyone needs to be in a bathroom. <laughs> a Very Brady Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere podcasts are available. They have some compromising pictures of Alice that they could have used uh, to blackmail her and keep her there. Um, I've seen those pictures, and Alice is hotter than you think. I'm going to just put that out there and say it. Uh, that blue dress doesn't do justice? Uh, no, it does. For, for me, that blue dress does everything. Far out. Poor You're man, a bad man, Tack. You're a bad human. There's a lot of weird in this show. And I, I took something out of that. I just thought it was interesting that he had file boxes up on file boxes. And it was like VHSs. And then he's like digging through and you see him like start pulling out DVDs. They have been investigating this site for a long time. Am I right, oh, Dan? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and the stories from Skinwalker Ranch allegedly go back to times before settlers were even in Utah uh, to the Native Americans and their oral tradition. So it's been going on for a long time. George Knapp has been one of the guys who's really, really big on this story. He was one of the first guys uh, to really put it out there uh, back in the 90s, mid 90s. So he's been on it for a long time and he's been given uh, quite the exclusive access to the site, which uh, seems just a little bit strange to me, Lee. Um, if you're operating this super secretive research facility into the paranormal, why would you bring a guy like George Knapp in to the fold? So, Dan, I don't know what kind of answer you're expecting from me because it makes no sense. You're right. Um, why would you bring a person that literally makes a living off of um, exposing paranormal culture and like bringing out new paranormal stories in, unless you wanted it give, unless you wanted it to be out there. Right. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but whatever. Um, George goes through all of his stuff and starts recounting, uh, the tale of Skinwalker Ranch Lee, which I'm sure you're very familiar. Um, most of the stories go back into like the seventies um, with a couple guys named Hicks and Salisbury. Uh, one was a high school science teacher and the other Mr. Salisbury, a professor at Utah state university. Uh, they collected a lot of the earlier stories of skinwalker ranchley. And a lot of them were just uh, lights in the sky uh, objects in the sky, your pretty run-of-the-mill UFO reports. Absolutely. They're just like seeing random lights. And and the thing with the Skinwalker Ranch is you see, or uh, they supposedly see mechanical UFOs, which is, you know, uh, an old standby of the UFO, like, theory. But then you also see the orbs, and then you also see the, the portals between dimensions. It's just strange that so many different forms of UFO seem to be centered around the Skinwalker Ranch. So it, it is really interesting to hear all of these different stories. Yeah, and um, th again, there's not so much weirdness involved early on, um, but allegedly a lot of the weirdness was happening it's just people were afraid to come out and speak about it um until around the mid 90s when a family who they call in the documentary the gormans uh purchased the property and moved in so the gormans like the the name gorman was used um it's a pseudonym in order to protect the family uh, we've heard the original name, but we're not going to say it on this podcast because we feel the same way. We, we don't want that extra publicity for a family that may just want to be dropping it at this point. So, right. And especially because according to the documentary, allegedly a lot of this weirdness followed them around even after they left the ranch. 
Yep, I heard that too in the documentary. And that was a piece that I didn't know. I didn't know that it went with them. So then it makes you wonder, like, was some of it, was some of it, like, just attached to them and it got stronger because of maybe being in the, uh, maybe being in the presence of a porthole, port, porthole, <laughs> which, by the way, that's how one person pronounced portal in, in the documentary. Kind of got me. Um, sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. That's a little bit weird. Um, yeah, no, um, there was a couple of weird things in this, uh, in this retelling of the stories that I thought was pretty funny. One was, uh, the blackboard wall that they had in there. Have you ever painted a whole wall with that blackboard paint, Lee? No, I've not, but I've seen people do it. Yeah, I mean, it seems like something you'd do for a kid. Um, but the filmmaker has an entire blackboard wall, uh, which I guess might be pretty useful if you were, like, editing a whole movie to put scenes in and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, kind of storyboarded out a little bit. Um, and the thing is, um, George Knapp says... There's like a paranormal stew that exists in this area. It's all kinds of different things. And you know what it kind of made me think of? Uh, was the old Bell Witch story that we did. Yeah, it does. And it, it's it's actually similar to the Bell Witch story. There's just a bunch of random weirdness, high strangeness, that occurs in, in a single spot. Um, and... There seems to be precognitive ability. There seems to be weird or strange, um, you know, par- paranormal things like uh, what, what is the word that I'm looking for, Dan? What, what is that? Uh, poltergeist. Poltergeist activity? is the word. There's strange poltergeist activity, and then just other just weird, strange cryptids occurring, and it, it's just crazy. It really is. Um, yeah, well, and one of the common theories it, about poltergeists is that it's attached to a person, right? So, yes, it seems like a lot of these events peaked while the Gormans were there. So maybe there was, there is something to that. Now, the activity has continued since then, but it hasn't been nearly as strange as when there was a family living on the premises. So that makes you wonder, like, was the were the Gormans, did they already have an attachment um, to them? And then going into a place like Skinwalker Ranch just gave it that boost of energy that it needed to really just take things up a notch to a point where um, you usually don't see that happen. Or was it something else? Yeah, I think it's definitely a possibility. Well, let's get into some of the strange things that happened to the Gorman family, Lee. And the strangeness started day one. They move into the ranch. Uh, It's like 1994. They're unpacking, and they see a massive wolf come across the field and approach them seemingly unfazed by the presence of humans. Oh, yeah. And this wolf was was crazy big. Like the best example that they were able to give when they were given like photographs of wolves was a dire wolf. A dire wolf is a wolf that existed in, I, I believe it was prehistoric times. Um, yeah, the last ice age. The la- Yeah, the last ice age. So you're talking this thing was, you know, the size of a small, small horse. Um, it's a big wolf. Yeah, it, come up, and, it would be almost as tall as a man. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's massive. And the only other place that I've seen dire wolves, Lee, is on Game of Thrones. You know, winter is coming. Winter is coming. It is. So this wolf, um, moving on in the story, goes up to the children and the family and literally allows them to pet it for a little bit and seems relatively... Un, in a like non-aggressive. Until Dan, what happens next, Dan? Until one of the family's calves, uh, they were moving into the ranch to be ranchers. Uh, one of the calves sticks its nose out through the fence, and pow! The wolf is on him. Oh yeah, 
the wolf's on this calf and he is just rip like trying to rip this thing to shreds. So, um, you know, Mr. Gorman, he's got a, you know, he's a good rancher. He's got a gun on his hip and he fires some shots at this dog, at this wolf. And it does literally nothing. Nothing. Yeah, 357 Magnum, point blank range, multiple shots, nothing. So his kid runs inside, grabs the 30-06, runs back out. They pop it a couple times with the rifle, and it's like, ooh, you got me that time. But just not like yelps or anything saunters off it it just looks over like ow like come on now what the hell what the hell man and allegedly flesh ripped from the animal when it was shot um but it just it just leaves like unfazed having been shot five or six times so that is a crazy story right and that's day one not only that though when they're moving in they find evidence of like really strange things like locks on cabinet doors and stuff like that, that they don't understand why that's even there. I don't even know if that was actually in the, um, in the story. I don't remember if it was in the documentary. Well, in the documentary, they did have that the previous owner, um, was going to require them to notify him of any digging. Yes. I remember that. Yes. And that's just strange rules. Like really? Mm-hmm. It's a ranch. What do you think is going to happen on a ranch? Yeah, the like post holes are going to be dug, my man. <laughs> At the very minimum. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was pretty crazy. Now a couple of things, Lee, about the bulletproof dire wolf. Um, if I saw a wolf in 1994 approaching my property, I would shoot it. Yeah, yeah, that that's strange that they just let it walk up. Because in 1994, I mean, I'd, I'd be shooting that wolf too. Especially considering that in that time frame, in 1994, there was not supposed to be wolves in the area. Yeah, wolves and what I mean were by... not reintroduced into Yellowstone until 1995. Exactly, and you're only a few hundred miles from Yellowstone. Um, literally in that general area, there were not supposed to be wolves until after this story, like this story happened. Yeah. So especially if you saw one that is the size of a human being. Right. Um, (laughs) and I wouldn't just stand there and be like, okay, let's let it approach the kids. I'd be like, kids get in the truck. I'm going to shoot this thing. Yeah, exactly. Period. Go get the rifle. This thing has to die. Exactly. We or or even or in like a worst case scenario, not shooting it, just being like, we're out of here. We're going. We're no, we've yeah. got to get away from this thing now. Well, <laughs> and they said they thought it seemed so tame that it must be a person's pet. Um, have you ever seen any pet dog that was the size of a full grown man? I've seen some pretty big Great Danes, but never mm-hmm. that big. No, never that. And it's clearly a Great Dane. There's a difference. The only thing that I can think of is I have seen one dog that big. And, you know, it's from a relatively com- like common story. Um, the Sandlot. There was a dog that big on the Sandlot. That is the only time. <laughs> Hercules? I've ever seen a... Oh, Hercules? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the-, <laughs> the beast. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, um, I had to bring that one in. No, that was a good one. Um, so, yeah, this is just, like, really weird, this bulletproof dog story. And it's weird how it doesn't match up with um, any of the 70s UFOs lights tales. Um, but it does kind of tie back into the Native American tales of... Uh, of the creature that gave Skinwalker Ranch its name, Lee. Can you tell us a little bit about Skinwalker stories? Yes. So the Skinwalker is a Native American uh, belief that a, essentially it's a shaman-like person would do, would decide they wanted to be a, essentially a monster, like a werewolf-like being, and they would 
they would use black magic and there would usually be a sacrifice that literally involved like hurting someone's loved one in order to gain the level of evil they needed to get to the skinwalker level. Um, and it, it's, it's essentially a curse. So they would in place this skinwalker or themselves and it would lock them into a, like a werewolf like activity. It, it's, it's really kind of weird. And they used it to like hurt other people, other villagers. Um, I believe that it was either, I, I don't want to name the tribe cause I don't remember, but I, I, there was two tribes involved and one tribe believed that the other tribe had all become skinwalkers in order to basically torture the the tribe number one. Hmm. Yeah. And I don't want to name it for two reasons. I can't remember. And even if I could remember, I probably would have just not said the names of the tribes just out of respect for both tribes involved. Yeah, it's um, it's a freaky story. The idea of a shapeshifter with malicious intent. Um, that can come in and out of, you know, your tent at night, um, that could have the face of one of your loved ones, all kinds of weird stuff out there, um, that goes along with these skinwalker stories. Exactly. And when you think about the skinwalker, even if you just like nail it down and say, oh, they're essentially like a werewolf like being, and just say that that's what they can do. They can transition between human and werewolf. These werewolves are no longer like the uncontrollable monsters. They are literally, they have the brain of an evil man, but they're a giant wolf that wants to um, torture and injure and kill. And does that make, like, to me, that scares me more. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe it's just me. Yeah. And we're not talking, we're not talking about twilight werewolves here. We're talking about something that's even a a freakier. (laughs) Um, So... They interviewed a former police officer, excuse me, from the area. They give him the pseudonym Preston, and he just says about all of these stories. I mean, he said he got calls back in the 70s about lights in the sky and all kinds of things, was an eyewitness, um, interviewed his own wife who witnessed some of these strange events, Um and I guess the consensus people have come to out there is it's just part of life out there in northeastern Utah. Well, I, I think that if you live with that for a period of time long enough that you just kind of accept it. Um, even if it's weird to other people, you're like, well, it's it's life. Right. So, um, George Knapp... Uh, says that later they are they're all sitting around a fire telling these stories which is a great place to tell uh skinwalker ufo uh cattle mutilation stories is all around a campfire um he talks about his first experience at skinwalker ranch um lee do you remember the stuff he said he did okay so i don't remember for sure if we're talking about the same one um, I've got one where he was standing out on a hilltop and he sees like the strange light. Is that the one we're talking about? No, this is the one where he, they danced around a fire, <gasps> dug holes in the ground, left him out for bait. Like nothing happened. Oh yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I, I remember now. And it was great. They like left him like in the dark, like in a chair in the middle of like the supposedly the most, um, active part of the, um, of the play of the location and nothing happened. Right. <laughs> I remember that now. So, so he tells his story and that's pretty good. But, uh, for the Gorman family, um, after this wolf incident, they had a big spike in creepy stuff, especially poltergeist activity around the house. Uh, they'd unpack the groceries, come back, find them all in the bags, Um, The wife would have items in the bathroom while she was taking a shower behind a locked door. She'd come out, the door's still locked, but the items she brought with her, like a hairbrush, are missing. Uh, Just all kinds of weird poltergeist stuff going on around the place. Um, 
cattle being moved from one pen to the other, no gates open, things that are wired shut, um, just lots of weird stuff going around. Um, and that's about when the NIDS team came in. Uh, Lee, what can you tell us about NIDS and its patron, Mr. Bob Bigelow? Okay, so first of all, before we move on to NIDS, I do want to ask you a question. Okay, go. I haven't checked this out or not, but I'm hoping you know because, um, well, you're, you know these facts or these random facts that I don't. Is memory loss a symptom of any kind of those like gas poisonings like radon or carbon monoxide you know the ones that you can't smell is memory loss a symptom of any of those um you know what i would not be surprised for things like uh carbon monoxide but um you'd probably like pass out and die <laughs> um <laughs> at that's the point where you had memory loss also. yeah yeah um so that's what i was kind of thinking I was just wondering if there might be some sort of like possible like memory loss in there. But when you think about the amount of occurrences, that's where it gets weird. If she was just saying, I keep on bringing my uh, my hairbrush into the bathroom with me and I keep on um, it keeps on disappearing. I, I might be like, well, are you sure there's not like some sort of leak in the bathroom that's making you forget? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah. Well, and um, not only did they have this poltergeist activity going on, but there were also noises all around the ranch. Yes. All right. So this is about the time the NIDS team comes in. And NIDS, the National Institute for Discovery Science, this was founded by a Mr. Bob Bigelow. Uh, as some of my brethren or some of our brethren on the fourth hand network like to call it Big Money Bob Bigelow. Um, oh yeah, he is. He is really the money behind a lot of these things. Um, Bob Bigelow is a somewhat en enigmatic figure, and you know one thing that I saw that was great was I believe they were talking to George Knapp, and they asked him about Bob Bigelow, and he went into like a two and a half, three minute rant about how he felt that Bob Bigelow got a bad rap. Um, by the media because he doesn't like, like, because he just kind of tries to keep things close to the vest. Um, yeah, while the, on I, that, on that, I was, I took notes. I wrote down right here, George Knapp is being Bob Bigelow's hype man. Like, he was, <laughs> he was so villainous. He's like, he's getting such a bad rap, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I was like, you know what, George? I think maybe. Maybe he's giving you a little bit too much uh, money and access, you know. Maybe yeah. maybe his opinion of Mr. Bigelow is a little bit clouded by uh, dollar bills and uh, ratings for his radio shows and TV stuff. Yeah, th there's a possibility of that. While I can I can kind of understand the oh well he's been bad mouthed by the media. Um, and then a bunch of these people are trying to make he. They could also just be friends, too. I mean, they could just be really good friends. They could be just close friends. But let, let's be real here. I mean, he's got some shady business things. Let's hear from some of our friends at fourth hand. Never mind that. Welcome to the Juan on Juan podcast. I'm your host, Juan. I know that was a mouthful, but join us while we talk about a variety of things, life, business, maybe some conspiracy theories, who knows, just sit back and enjoy the ride. We're going to answer all your lifelong questions like, is it okay to shave your balls with the same machine you use on your face? I don't know. Anyways, follow us on social media, Instagram at the one on one podcast. Catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, where you can catch our weekly episodes. See you soon. All right, Dan. Now that we've discussed, you know, NIDS and... Um, and big money Bob Bigelow. Um, let's go 
to our next portion. Dan, well, what came up next? So they recount um, NIDS and their involvement. Um, they talk about the wolf story, all the details of it. Um, a couple things we missed. Uh, we talked about the flesh that came off of it seemed desiccated when they went to examine it later, like it had already begun to rot. Um, and the tracks of this wolf just like vanished into thin air. So I don't know. Winter is coming, but the dire wolves in Utah are disappearing evidently. So um, it works. Yeah. It goes on to recount some of the tales that uh, locals have had. And one of these guys who they interviewed, he's out at a basketball court. Now, Lee, I haven't seen one of these courts in a long time. It's one of the cement ones that um, is just an arc. So, like, mm -hmm. if you wanted to shoot a three, you got to step out into the grass. Yes, yes. And then, like, I don't know if this one had it, but it was um, it was like that kind of feel to the whole thing. You know, like when instead of the like the basketball, like the nets on the hoop, they have chains. <laughs> So. Yeah, I'm not sure there was a net on the hoop. I, I'd have to go back and look. But um, he's telling a story about a Sunday morning blackout and a craft that appeared in the sky. Um, he's outside early Sunday. There's a blackout. There's not a lot of people. Um, but he's uh, with a relative of his, and he points up to the sky and tells her, that's a fucking UFO. That's you know a direct what? quote. That That is a direct quote. And my best th thought of that is that is the most realistic response I've heard all night. <laughs> up up oh, to yeah. that point, that is the most like that is the most like exactly what I would do or what I imagine myself doing in that situation is just like poking the person next to me and just being like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> right. Well, and like. Um, honestly, if I was the Gorman family and I lived in a place where I heard machines underground and, uh, inhuman voices above me and saw lights and had dead cows spread all throughout my ranch, I'd, pa I'd pack up stakes. I'd be like, see ya. Speaking uh, of which you just mentioned the machines and I almost forgot about those. That was one of the craziest things that I didn't know about. And that was that anytime that they would like do some work, um, it would like instigate the sound of what th they described as like machines or drilling underneath them. And I'm, I'm sorry, but that takes me to a thought process of, is this some, something similar to, um, the Dulce base kind of thought process, um, where there's supposedly an underground fortress that, um, human government and aliens are all working together. And then there was an underground war and it was just all sorts of craziness. And it gets into some like really weird stuff that I'm not comfortable like saying whether I believe in or not, because I, I don't want to insult anybody, but it gets kind of weird. So yeah. Anyway. Well, um, yeah. Who knows um, if there's a portal to another dimension, in the sky above the ranch. Who's to say there's not something going on underneath it, right? But There you go. There you um, go. So there's um, this shaking sound. I, I love that guy's uh, story. Um, that's just, that's, that's a fucking UFO is probably one of the best <laughs> quotes of the whole documentary. Um, I think that's they... what we're going to use from now on when we... <laughs> Hey, you know what that is? That's a fucking that's a, UFO. Yeah, <laughs> right. Hey, we're trying to keep it PG-13. We can only do uh, oh, a couple shit. a show. We get one uh, each show. Well, we've we've went past that so far, but I think we'll be okay. Yeah, well, we were quoting. Um, but, um, <laughs> so the next part, uh, the next interview they do is with this guy who evidently had... Uh, a quite a close relationship with the Gorman family. He'd been out there for barbecues. Um, the dude's name was Ryan Layton. And I don't know when they interviewed Ryan, but he can't pick between pack 12 teams because he's got a Utah stocking cap on and an Arizona <laughs> sweatshirt on. I remember that. That was just what I was going to ask you. <laughs> yeah. So like, he on. looks like he looks like they just managed to grab him somewhere. Like while he was like 
in his like off time or something. And he's yeah, just it like, yeah, look like he's just like coming out to take care of the place. Like his pickup trucks, probably just off camera, like loaded up with feed for cows or something like that. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could see it. Um, but he seemed like a legit dude and he had, um, a lot of account firsthand accounts from the Gormans, um, that were told to him. And actually it's a lot of good stories. Um, they talked about the scoop marks out in the pasture where it seemed like some giant soil samples had been taken out of the ground, just all over the place. Um, hundreds of pounds of dirt just scooped up and missing. Um, with no evidence of how like a machine that would have been big enough to do that got in and got out. That was, that was the other thing about that. Now, if you subscribe to the thought process of, uh, interdimensional, and, like, they've got these portals that are popping up. Who's to say some of these portals didn't pop up, like, just at ground level or just below? And it literally sucked the, the dirt out through into a different dimension. Oh, yeah. Or created a hole underneath that the dirt fell in or something. Uh, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Um, but the one that I really liked and that uh, Ryan Layton described that was a really good one was the story of the post hole digger. Oh yes, where the the where um Mr. Gorman is out digging post holes and just out of nowhere his post hole digger comes up missing. And uh he that goes on for a few days. He looks everywhere for it, can't find it. Um, goes to the store and buys a new one. Exactly. Goes to the store, buys a new one, comes back to get started on his project and he finds it in a tree. <laughs> Like 30 feet up in the air. Now that's weird. Like that's, who right, does that? Is, that? that is legit weirdly. Um, but I have a theory. Um, now Lee, the Gormans, uh, they were a whole family and the kids worked on the ranch too. And if you've ever been a kid out in the country, living that farm life, you know that when it's time to build fence, you got to haul your ass out there and help your dad build fence, right? Okay, um, all right. And it's not fun, Lee. There is nothing enjoyable about building fence. I understand. It's not like I haven't done that before. Jeez, like you're acting like I... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, if it for, was For me... those of us city city listeners out there, there is nothing fun about building a fence, whether it's 10 feet long or... Um, building literally a fence around your entire pasture. It is a lot of work and it is not fun. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially uh, if you're out on a ranch, a big ranch in the desert where the ground's going to be rough, you're going to be out there all day putting in a lot of work and it's going to suck um, in the sun. Ooh, rough. Um, so if it was me, we'd go over to a tree to rest for a minute Dad has his back turned. I'm tossing those post hole diggers way up in there. Get the hell out of here. We're done for the day, Dad. I gotta go watch TV. So, so was it like that? I got the interpretation that it was an auger. Was it just a standard set of post hole diggers? I don't know what it was. I assumed it was a standard set of post hole diggers. Okay, so if it's a standard set of post hole diggers, your theory makes perfect sense. Like, I love that idea. Um, But if it is a dang auger then that whole theory oh, yeah. goes out the window. Like, yeah. how did it um, get there? <laughs> like, well, and then here's another story that um, kind of debunks the kids, or maybe adds to the kids going around, is the cord of wood that was moved. Yeah, that was another one that, like, they, they drop it in one location, and then they find it, like, 100 yards, just, like, moved, like, 100 yards over. And... I'm going to be honest with you, coming from a a background of helping my mom out with different projects around the house, whether it be, um, you know, roofing the house or putting up siding or or anything like that. As a kid, the absolute last thing I wanted to do was more work just to mess with my family. Yeah, for sure, (laughs) dude. Um, Lee, how much is a cord of wood? Ooh, I don't. uh, It is like a truckload, though, isn't it? It's pretty good size. Yeah, a, a, a standard size truck bed is about a cord of wood, but there's an actual uh, number figure. I, I knew you'd know this. What is that? Yeah. 
Um, all right. Now, I might be wrong here, honestly, because I was trying to kid you. But <laughs> 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 um, for, for our listeners, yes, it is about a standard-sized truck bed. I believe the figure is something like 128 cubic feet. Okay. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. And it's a loaded up truck bed. It's like the bed and then piled up to where, you know, it's almost about to fall out of the bed, essentially, um, is about a quarter wood. So this is when they say they say it's multiple cords of wood. It was something like two or three. That's a crazy amount of work for a kid to do, especially in a short period of time, even if dad had to drive back to the house. Um, over a distance, because we're assuming this is a fairly good size. I mean, it's a several hundred acre ranch. So let's say they're a few hundred yards from the house or, or a mile from the house. You got to drive there and back to do whatever he needed to do. I just don't see him doing it. Yeah. Well, and again, if I was a kid who was trying to get out of work, I wouldn't move a cord of wood just for the sake of moving it and messing with my family. That's exactly what I, so it either takes or puts away that thought process. Yes. So after, after some of these stories, um, they talk a little bit about what the NIDS researchers did. Um, they used dogs out on the ranch to work as biosensors, assuming that the dogs would sniff out the upcoming danger or some kind of thing like an earthquake or. Yeah, I heard that. I really did. And I, my first thought was like biosensors. Like wh- what? Like, <laughs> yeah. I've never yeah. heard the phrase of a dog like I've never heard of a dog being used as a biosensor. I get I get it. They're, you know, they they have heightened senses compared to human beings. But just using the phrase biosensor in it wh- what? Like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, but maybe it was just me. So, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, um, some of the stuff these NIDS guys were doing out there. They're using all kinds of technical equipment. They're trying to bait this phenomenon in. Um, and long story short, none of it worked. Yeah, that whatever the th- this phenomenon was, with NIDS, that, they weren't having it. Like, it was not having a single thing to do with the NIDS research. With, they would set up cameras, and this entity would do something just off camera or this entity would literally damage the camera connecting wires but you wouldn't see like even if there was coverage on the video you wouldn't see what happened it would just one second it'd be there the next second it'd be gone now you have to understand that these cameras are on a they're on a low frame rate essentially so what that essentially means is instead of recording consistently which takes up a lot of data it was like every third frame was saved essentially um to minimize on the amount of data but that means you've got split seconds of delay between one frame and the other so what that literally means is that in in order for this to not be caught on camera it would have to have occurred in a fraction of a second and and damage would have to have occurred in a fraction of a second that that's strange to me yeah, there's there's a lot of weird stuff, um, stuff that happened just off camera or stuff that happens. Uh, one of the most famous stories happens when the NIDS researchers just happen to not be there. Um, so let's um, let's move into some of this stuff. Uh, the next scene is another little interview with George Knapp, the one we were talking about where he hypes up Bob Bigelow and a lot of the conspiracies. Um, With some of the news that's come out about Bigelow's involvement with these Pentagon programs, um, maybe some of those conspiracies make a little bit more sense. We'll go into that at the end of the show. Um, And so let's skip over that for an interview they do with a nice uh, Native American lady. And I'm going to really mess up her name. Uh, Powagup? Powagup? Yeah, that's about right. Hey, Dan, real quick. Uh Let's hold off on the interview for a moment. How about we take a break real quick and we'll come back and then we'll get into that interview. Oh, yeah. Breaks. We love it. Let's take five and we'll be right back. Hello, all you cool cats and kittens. We apologize 
but unfortunately we realized this episode runs extremely long. So we know that you were expecting us to come back after a short break, but unfortunately we have more than an hour left on this discussion. Yeah, guys, we hope you enjoyed our discussion about Skinwalker Ranch because we've got even more in part two. So join us again next week as we conclude our Skinwalker discussion. And as always, keep listening for tales from out there beyond terrestrial. Thank you for listening to Beyond Terrestrial Podcast. You can check us out on Apple Pod, Google Play, and other major podcast platforms. And if you want to keep up with the show goings on, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Beyond T Pod. That's Beyond the Letter T Pod. And as always, you can get all of that information as well as show notes and episodes as they come out on BeyondTerrestrial.com. That's right, we got the .com. And if you want to help out the show, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or a like and a review wherever you listen to Beyond Terrestrial. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.